Anyway, look, we've got uh, the evil genius, Broderick Chavez, on the show today, Rawdon. Um, is there anything you would like to say in this little bubble along right now? Or should well, we look, uh, I think it's been uh, long overdue to have the evil genius back to give us, uh, you know, a bit of notoriety and some uh, interest. Oof. Oh, sorry about that. Jeez. Some, uh, you know, some uh, listeners, you know, mm. the, the, the numbers are drop- dwindling away, so we'll, we'll get yeah. the big guns out. That's right. Get Broads back in, and that should work well. Now, and sorry about that little explosion there. I think that's uh, part of what I've got in store for Ooh, the end of the show. I'm Tommy, very excited. When we go down into the basement. All right, let's get things started. Podcast. Tom Hewitt is my name. Rawdon THC. Yes, yes. I might rebrand for THC. I think that would be very appropriate. That was actually Brods' idea. <laughs> he did say that. You did say <laughs> yeah. that. Bloody Brods. Yeah, good old Brods. Uh, Always thinking about drugs. Yeah. I love it. That'd be right. That'd be right. We don't. Uh, mate, so what we're doing with Brods today is uh, he has got a little ebook, a little booklet. An called, evil ebook. Yes, called Post It Note Sports Nutrition. Mm-hmm. And this is basically a very systematic, top down approach to create a diet for your athlete. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, with Broderick, it's all, you know, his perspective is for the enhanced athlete. Oh, yeah. But the system works equally as well for a natural athlete. System of the down. Basically, system of a top-down, oh, yeah. uh, which will make much more sense as Brods goes through what he's doing today. Yep. And you can actually, you can buy this booklet from the uh, Evil Genius website. Yep. website, mm-hmm. And you can also sign up to his awesome uh, membership mm. site. Oh, it's growing by the day. Oh, it absolutely So is. much content. I love, uh, I just love seeing Brods at the start of all of his videos and lives and mm. things where he just sits there stroking his beard. Yep. That's how he always <laughs> yeah. that's how he always uh, rolls into those uh, live Q and A's. Yeah. Um and the likes of Lyle McDonald in there as well. So he's uh you know, beware what you wish for, Cookie. Don't say anything silly in there or ask any stupid questions in yeah. the members group because not only will Broads cut you down, but uh, then Lyle will come in for the slay you as well. So mm. both of them will get you. So but there's tons of content and uh, there's heaps of uh, Others that are competent in there as well. So when questions yeah. are asked, there's lots that jump in and and uh, help uh, those with less experience about whatever topic they're discussing uh, find solutions. So um, yeah, it's it's uh, very organic and, and mm. growing and, mm. and gathering momentum. Yeah, it's great. Like a meteorite heading for <laughs> planet Earth to destroy it or something. <laughs> yeah, yes. very broads like. Very That's broads-like. how we part this world. Just yeah. uh, unleash the meteorites and yeah. end the the planet. Well, if the pandemic doesn't, do well, it, that's right. If the vaccine doesn't get oh, yes. doesn't get us all in oh, a few yes. years' time, who knows? Um, right, mate. So basically, what Brods is going to do today, he's going to go through his uh, system, assigning calories, assigning protein, assigning fats and carbohydrates. Yep. He will then go into well, with each of those sections the types of foods that you can eat, the flesh. Um, He'll go through uh, supplements. Mm. Which, and, and some interesting ones. Which is really cool. Yeah, some, some interesting supplements and stuff. Uh, so it's all I think covered. He goes about timings as well, how he likes to put the calories towards the first half of the day. Correct. You know, Correct. He uses it off at, uh, what is it, king and then pauper or something? It's like a king initially. 
Yeah. yeah, that's a different saying. Not Brodzers, but yeah. okay. that uh, it is in line with what tradition says, <laughs> as far as it goes. Yeah. Yes. So anyway, it's a very systematic approach, and uh, it will make total sense when you listen to him explain it and uh, rationalise everything. Mm. The one thing that we will touch on at the top, Rawdon, is uh, you and he have slightly differing. Um, well, yeah, we probably end up at the same point, but yeah. uh, just on paper at least. So this is in reference. You're right to his protein recommendation for mm. uh, um, two to three grams for the guys that are juiced to the gills. Um, so uh, two to three grams per kilo ki- of body weight. Exactly. Not two to three grams for the full day. Mm. No. Uh, but yeah, two to three grams per kilo body weight. And um, that is from the perspective of, uh, I, I guess, in relation to others pres- uh, recommending protein, um, like the typical is that 2.2 uh uh, two grams per pound of body weight, I think, which works out about you know around four, four grams yeah. or so per kilo. That's the the dogma of uh, the old bu- school bodybuilding. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, he programs a little lower, and it's I think to do with the um, the retention of protein while on enhancement. You just get much less muscle breakdown. Mm. Uh, and the, the my the point I made to him and um, is potentially the ability to influence uh, synthesis is far greater when you're on enhancement, just the sheer anabolism that uh, being on exogenous supplementation, um, like we're referring to, creates. So for that reason, if there ever was an environment, and again, assuming that you're doing the sufficient amount of training to drive, you know, these massive elevations in muscle protein synthesis, um, you know, this is an environment where maybe you could get away with a little more protein. So... I typically three to four grams per kilo body weight is, yes. is what, um, and that's on the back of a discussions uh, discussion I had with um, uh, Mr. Henselmans who who felt that like breakdown is never really exceeds such a uh, with any it doesn't really um, it, you can only ever get X amount of breakdown like and once that's offset it's offset yep. whereas synthesis that's it can go far higher it's, it's it can be influenced by many things yes so uh that's the sort of vague uh rationale behind it it yeah. wasn't something I, I thought of but it does seem to um fit and it does seem to fit with like i said that two grams like we said that two grams per uh what per pound of body weight that uh to sort of fit in with that so mm. you know where they smoke this fire maybe yeah. there's something to it yeah and uh yeah so that's it but like we said Maybe with all the other, that's just uh, Brods is referring to. You thought just uh, yes, I think so. I think Brods's two to three grams is based on animal flesh, mm. uh, and then, but then we were we were saying in the wonderful intro that we yes. did that, that didn't get recorded is that you calculate all the trace yeah. elements of protein in the carbohydrates and all that stuff and things too. that they're eating. So if you took Brods's two two to three grams. Uh, from animal flesh mm. and then you took all the trace elements of all the protein in all the other foods that his athletes are eating it might mm. fall out close to that four yeah. grams per kilo of body weight. Yeah. Yeah. tell me this mate you know how when a beginner uh, starts training mm. and they get those newbie gains mm. that's another demographic that can get benefit from a high protein from anabolics yep <laughs> <laughs> uh, from a high protein uh, intake for the for the same reasons because there's so much yeah. uh, so much activity going on so much turnover so much synthesis do you find with uh, an advanced athlete, so they've been, say they've uh, used performance-enhancing drugs in the past mm. and um, they've had a little stint off and they come back to get ready for a show mm. and uh, they, you know, they're back in, back in the, 
juice the juice yeah. and um, <laughs> all of a sudden you know yeah. synthetic rates and what have you start going through the roof again they can benefit from that high amount of protein intake is it similar whereas you know if they don't keep escalating the amount of drugs that they're getting and they get to a point where they've built all of the sort of the you know that easy new, gains. the easy gains they're going to get from just that higher level of circulating right so whether they still need those high protein do, do they still intakes? need the high protein on that amount or well yeah i mean yeah. that maybe that's uh that's an interesting point and maybe broads is uh, coming from that angle as well that the you know the reality is you don't stimulate as much uh, synthesis but then i suppose that's where you need to be a little more creative with your programming and and like we discussed the other yeah. week with retrivian yes you know where maybe chopping up that volume and and giving those uh so collectively you still get that elevation but it's those smaller bite-sized chunks of elevation in synthesis rather than but the flip side to that is you know like even if you were to train like a traditional bro you know you're going to do a billion sets for a body part on monday for chest for example well then you're going to have like we discussed those huge amounts of muscle damage so yeah, maybe in that environment, it's even more inclined to it depends how you are uh, the context of, of what you're doing mm. programming wise. So, mm. yeah, an interesting, uh, interesting topic of conversation. But, yeah. you know, uh, either way, the ability to upregulate synthesis is uh, and remember, you know, more muscle mass as well. I mean, that, that sort of comes into it as well. You'd arguably need a little more protein. But again, it's based on body weight. So that sort of covers that point. But. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, interesting. Okay, well, look, let's one for broads. Yeah, one one for broads. Why don't we um, let's get balls deep into it? We'll get the evil genius cranking, and uh, we'll come back at the end and get down to the lab. Oh no! No! <laughs> Reevaluate your life, asshole. You're fucking it up because you can't cheat biology. A thousand grams of carbohydrates a day. That's what I'm fucking doing because you can't cheat biology. Okay. Do you want to get first, Tom? That was Broads. I'll go. Oh, that Whoa, was crisp. Ripped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. We're All good. Right, we're on. I think uh, Tom won that one. I think that was your um, cricket. Cricket, um, yeah. yeah. I spend, you know, hours of time out uh, there clapping. Come yeah. on, boys. Let's go. <laughs> bravo. <Yeah>. Bravo, <laughs> dear chaps. Yes, yes. Excellent. Well, this is uh, this is deja vu. I was just having the pleasure of broads. We had matching t-shirts yesterday and again today. Yes, we generally do. The memo. It's probably memo. alarming for broads to know if he knew how many mornings I get up and I have a an evil genius t-shirt on and I make my coffee, coffee yes. in an evil genius cup and spend my my initial waking moments of mm. consciousness in the day yep. with, with broads. Mm-hmm. Just circling, yeah. looking for a Surf. crack. Yep. Yeah, yep. <laughs> it's uh, that, that's the insidious, uh, yes. insidious mm. nature of very me much so in general. Insidious, <laughs> that's right. That's um, like trend balloon. Insidious. Well, the, um, yeah, a little less coughing. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> just yeah. as much aggression though. Well, this is uh, this is quite a treat. We we get to um exploit your uh notoriety and um professionalism on our podcast once again and uh get a get a few extra downloads this is good broads thank you um i can't imagine <laughs> it is. that that's accurate you have your fans. Fair, fair enough absolutely 
All right. We thought what we would do is we haven't touched base for a little while. Mm. We're in the new studio. Our first Skype interview, we thought bronze is a safe one. We can yeah. we can bumble our way through that a little bit and, yeah. and make it sound good. Mm. And we thought a good place to start would be your post-it note sports nutrition. It's, post-it note, intriguing. Yeah, something that we have covered in some of the seminars. And I know, Brods, you've delivered this in seminars, but it hasn't been exposed to the under the bar audience mm-hmm. um, and I think they'll get a lot of benefit out of this very systematic method for designing nutrition plans yeah that's what I was going to say but you, you wrapped it up very very nicely you're, you're very kind to call it systematic most people call it childlike or <laughs> hyper simplistic but uh, I'll accept systematic that that's awesome and, and this is uh, legitimately I'm assuming it's going to be close to what we've uh, presented before Brods and uh, the listeners will, they've probably got pens, uh, uh, pens, paper out, uh, laptops, they've fired them up, they're getting ready to type all the uh, the layer upon layer of complexity of, of your nutrition design, <laughs> being the evil genius and a biologist and it's and it's literally going to be, I would assume, pretty, uh, pretty basic but we can uh, go sideways, upwards, downwards and elaborate on each of the parts, I'm sure. Well, well the, unfortunately... This is an auditory medium, and unfortunately, paper doesn't translate particularly well to the auditory format, but quite literally, what the listener probably doesn't know is it's called post-it note sports nutrition, quite literally, because essentially, just to be a prick, I wrote it <laughs> on post-it notes. So the complexity is, is to some degree limited by a... Uh, what is it, maybe a six-centimetre yep. square. Mm. Yeah. Yes. And for the listener, uh, if you do attend uh, one of your seminars, it's literally the, the slides mm. are um, all the scribbles. A, a little digitised version of all these post-it notes. So it's got quite a unique Brods twist on it there. Before we get started, Brods, do you want to explain maybe why your approach to nutrition is as simplistic as it is and why it doesn't necessarily need to be as complicated as... What are you looking as, at me for when you say complicated? <laughs> as others might make it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, well, I sure. And to be fair, I want I want to start with saying that to some degree, my cavalier attitude toward its simplicity is a little bit of a farce, but not really. Let me explain. Um, again, I am a biologist, so I have the underpinnings, the scholastic underpinnings of actual, you know, university nutrition, dietetics. Um, I also have the underpinnings, the biological underpinnings of say, cellular energetics and those sorts of things. So I actually understand these concepts. Um, Secondly, I have like 35 years more really, but let's say 35 years of practical experience as an athlete and a coach. Um, But those aside, the reality is essentially my entire way of doing everything, whether it be training design, whether it be nutrition, uh, pharmacology, um, even just basically my worldview and my interaction with the world at large, I operate on a very top-down attitude. I am of the belief that if you isolate and accurately address the key things, whatever they are for the topic in question, all of the minor things essentially auto-arrange. They, yeah. they arrange themselves in such a way because the overall overarching answers are correct macronutrients, food selection, et cetera. Once those things are correct, all of the nominal small things, the, you know, uh, the fiber intake and the fatty acid distribution and all these things essentially are answered by the question above it. When you ask how much fat should I eat? I'll give you an answer. And then you say, what food should I get it from? And I'll give you an answer. And those two answers 
essentially fill in all the blanks below them so you don't have to worry about you know, saturated to poly and mono unsaturated and all these things because they're implied by the answer above it. So the reality is nutrition is an incredibly complicated subject that you could take any one of these post-it notes and literally write a dozen textbooks. But if you spend your life and you're 90% right 90% of the time, and not, honestly, that's a score. So in a sense, I've just created the ultimate cliff notes for nutrition, If you, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think um... – we're going to get into uh, obviously the the nuts and bolts of it all and uh, go balls deep into this uh, post-it note uh, nutrition of yours, Brods. But one of the things we also wanted to touch on today, um, Tommy opened up the laptop and saw all the, I guess the new slides that you put together. Yes, they are very very basic, but it's nice and comprehensive. And we we're discussing that. And uh, the other topic we were going to talk about was this uh, concept of the internal body clocks and circadian rhythms. And and and, and Tommy was, sure. oh, look, there's enough meat and nuts here to get through just this nutrition today. And uh, interestingly, if we were to step sideways and when it's strategic to do so, you'll find out that Brod, and this is one of the things that I said to Tom, I said, well, Brod just doesn't get bogged down on the, the circadian rhythm. He just sets things up and it sort of fits into that circadian rhythm anyway. Mm. And Brod's nutrition design actually caters for the fact that the circadian rhythm should have you eating a little less in the evening due to X, Y, Z, and Brod's will elaborate on those things. It's almost like he catered for it by just understanding biology and physiology mm. and keeping things re relatively simple and not trying to complicate the whole process, which yes. is again, you know, Brod's in a, a nutshell. You know, it is 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 really is keeping it simple, letting biology and physiology just do what it does. Yes. But we're going to tick that box for you as well today, Tommy. Right, Brod's. Obviously, for the listener who who hasn't been exposed to your work, um, yeah, your, where do your, we start? Your specialty is working with uh, enhanced athletes, and at the top of your nutrition, there's a bit of a distinction for that. So, you want to just maybe we start by saying how these approaches might differ for a natural versus natural enhanced athlete. Actually, you're 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 right, and that is my specialty, and quite literally the second slide in this slideshow literally is my you know spastic scratched handwriting that says for the enhanced athlete and it is mainly because my goal there is to just scare off all the <laughs> unenhanced athletes so that i don't have to just be affronted with them um, but in in honest truth the difference isn't any secret difference the difference is just magnitudes you know, the, the, the way in which you drive a race car is essentially the same way you drive the family car. The difference is your reaction times have to be way, way better or you will just crash into things at high speeds. That's essentially the difference between natural and enhanced. All the same rules of physiology apply. They just move at the speed of fucking smell and it's just not interesting when you're looking at a natural yeah. athlete. Uh, sometimes smells can creep up on you pretty quickly, they surprisingly can. quickly. Silent but deadly. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, right, O'Brods. Well, I guess the first place to start will be uh, calories. How we how we calculate the amount of energy that we need for said athlete. Mm. Okay, the optimal answer is that said athlete has some manner of paperwork 
with them. They have a food journal. They have some historic records so they can show me what they have been eating and they can lift up their shirt and show me their abs. So I can say, you're eating this much and you're that fat. I now have data. Um, unfortunately, that doesn't always apply, in which case I have to use basically just the historical model. My experience has led me to know that, and this also encompasses obviously two different sexes, so the, the, the reference range isn't actually this broad, but somewhere between 25 and 45 kilocalories per kilogram. Obviously, women being not necessarily sexist that they're women, but they're typically smaller, so they're the bottom of that scale. And men, historically, are the higher of that scale. Typically, if we're talking about a male bodybuilder, I'm usually in the 35 to 45 kilocalorie per kilogram. And I suppose range. the female being lighter, they just uh, inherently get a little more off that scale, a little less off that scale anyway, and the, the boy's been a bit heavier. And, um, Correct. And are yeah. we, will we even bother with, do you change calories on training, non-training days? Maybe, you know shoot that uh shoot that concept down right now i don't i don't have a slide i don't actually have a slide or a quote post-it note referencing that simply because i find the question absolutely <laughs> ridiculous and that's why i thought i'd ask it but for the benefit of your listeners who just don't know my general macabre i come with a number of um mantra-like bullet points that you need to be aware of before dealing with me. And one of them is my answer to almost everything is longer, lower, slower. That is the biological answer to almost everything. In nature, if it happens fast, it almost always ends poorly. And if it happens slowly, it almost always ends happily. I am a deep believer in longer, lower, slower. Because of that, I don't like daily fluctuations or oscillations. If it has perturbations, it has the opportunity to kick you in the nuts. So all things are even quite literally in that regardless of what you're doing, you intend to be the same person each and every day. So you eat like the same person each yeah, and every and, day. And you also, if you were to elaborate a little further, you would say, well, when are you growing? Are you, did you want to not grow the following day? Just a question. Of course, everyone does. And you will point out that, well, that's occurring around the clock. That's why we keep calories the same training, non-training, independent of what's happening. We get the same amount of consistency of signaling. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. Where do we go now? So basically, for the example that you've got there, Broads, just so the listener can get their head around this, you've got a 100-kilo male athlete. Right. The athlete's uh, diet journal has got him eating approximately 3,700 calories, right. which is your 37 cals per kilo of body weight. between so 35 and 40, I think, it, which would be very nicely in that range. So... What do we do now? Where do we go from here, Tommy? Righto. We'll, go, we'll get into the uh, assigning of macronutrients ah. and uh, protein, I think, comes from the, the Latin proteus or Meat. something like that, meaning of first, in, first importance. So uh, we, we exactly. may as well start that with protein. That is exactly correct. Um, and that is comically why I also put it first. So yes. fair, fair play. Um, and again, the, the listener isn't getting the visual version of this, but the very next slide is a quote reading recommendation. And it is a good friend of mine. And I hate to essentially promote a friend's material, but it is the correct answer. And it's Lyle McDonald's protein book. And in said book, Lyle references essentially every relevant modern study on nitrogen balance. And it's a fantastic read and it's you know, four or 500 pages. And the synopsis is Every rational relevant study dials it down to between 1.8 and 3.2 grams per kilogram 
of nitrogen for an athlete. I rather, like I do, rounded that to two to three grams. So the answer is thou shalt consume between two and three grams of nitrogen per kilogram of body weight. The difference between the two and three is drug use and genetics. You have no drug use, you're on the lower side. If you have shitty genetics, you're on the, or rather, I said that backwards, I apologize. Um, if you have shitty genetics and or shitty drug use, yep. you're on the higher side because you're less efficient. And if you have good genetics and or good drug use, you're on the lower side because you are more efficient. Interesting. So, And do you want to just un- unpack that? And you want to just unpack that, that. Uh, a tiny bit because I'm sure our listeners will find that fascinating because a lot of them, even though they don't dip the toes into that enhanced, well, they're curious about it. And why? Why is that so? So why? Uh, what, what's the school well, of thought the, there? I mean, you mentioned something about efficiency. Yeah, exactly. The Again, I don't mean to be overly <laughs> you know, sarcastic, but I'm, I'm constantly amazed at how little research people do. If you type anabolic steroid into like say i don't know wikipedia literally in the first paragraph you will find that the major description is improves nitrogen retention that literally means exactly what it means for every gram of nitrogen you put in your (laughs) snout you retain more of it than the person that's not doing that okay so you are more efficient at utilizing nitrogen therefore if natural athlete eats 200 grams of protein, they have the potential to conserve X amount. If you, the enhanced athlete, eat that same 200 grams of protein, you will conserve more of that because you are more efficient. So strangely, it would seem to most people's kind of childlike logic that drugs make you grow faster, so you need more protein. The reality is you're growing faster because you don't need Mm, more protein. So less, um, less protein breakdown? as well that's a that's actually a whole separate animal but that also is relevant too is you also simultaneously become less right. catabolic mm-hmm. so not only are you retaining more nutrients per unit eaten but you're also expelling less because you're having less c- catabolic breakdown so it's essentially a double win and then if you keep looking in the cracks it's a mm-hmm. triple and quadruple win it's you know basically drugs are you know the magic when it comes to building muscle but in a in in the context of Right. what one will eat the more drugs and or the better your genetics and in many cases athletes have both of those the less protein per unit calorie you need to consume so you have a scale of two to three and you place yourself on that based on your expectations of your genetics and or your drug use so the example i used is an athlete that i would personally be willing to work with it has both good genetics and good drug use so they're 100 kilos we multiply that by two we strangely get 200 grams of protein. Um, Anyone who knows anything about nutrition would know that there's four calories per gram of protein. So they're eating 800 daily calories from protein. And Broads, do you uh, keep it uh, in true Broads fashion? Simple, that's 200 grams of actual protein, not counting the the protein in your carbs or fats that you might be consuming. That's just your animal meats, 200 grams uh, of protein going in the, the, the snout. Um, that is, that is total protein eaten that, that encompasses, you know, the proteins in grains and beans and what have you. It's not all 100% animal products. Um, we can have the complicated discussion. It wouldn't one of the many textbooks one could write on these post-it notes about protein composition and protein quality and what have you. But the very short answer is just know 
that if one is eating, as I will discuss later, whole unprocessed real foods and a sufficient amount of meat products, whether that be poultry, beef or fish to get the fatty acids that we're going to mention in literally the very next note. All things are covered. Very okay, good. So total. I mean, yes, and that sort of just led us into this uh, third little slide on the protein you've got there, Brods, where you actually break down the percentages of protein sources. Um, Correct. So it might just be worth explaining that because I yep. think that makes it yeah, pretty, pretty simple, top-down way of looking at things. Exactly, and that's why I said we, you know, we would cover that. You know, the 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 lesser mm. answers would be covered by the greater answers. And the very next slide or post a note in my concept is. Protein sources, and the key concept is whole foods. And about 50% of your total dietary protein should come from animal sources, flesh. About 25 should come through vegetation, be it green vegetables, legumes, brown rice, non-meat products. And then 25% should come from dairy, and I'll even tip my head and give you the concept of and or supplements, which are usually dairy-based. So really that doesn't need to be there, but I'll include it just in you know good humor for Fascinating. So that's sort of well and truly uh, insisting on some variety there anyway. You can't just uh, eat your 200 grams of protein from beef. It's like, well, Correct. I, I need to get my um, from plants and, and, and uh, you know, vegetable and, sources and then dairy. And again, to be fair, you know, as I mentioned, this is the absolute cliff notes of nutrition. If you really wanted to get into the concept of you know, what are proteins made of, yeah. amino acid you know, diversity, and those sorts of things, it becomes relevant and downright imperative that one does consume a variety of proteins to get all of the essential amino acids and all of the necessary arrangements and organizations. But rather than study the death out of that, just know that if you get 50% of your protein from flesh, 25 from vegetation and 25 from dairy, you meet all those requirements and no further study is required unless you mm. so Yeah, that's a, that's a wonderful way to almost sell it to the, the individual athlete because one of the, the hurdles that you may come across and probably not with the, the demographic you work with, but Tom will agree and maybe the listeners too, it's you know, you got to eat your greens, you got to eat your vegetables, and they, you know they, they usually hit their protein target. You know, and it's like, come on, you, you know, you need a nice balance. We've got to get the vegetables in, but often it's a it's an afterthought. But if it's incorporable well, protein, I know I need protein. Protein builds muscle, muscle good. Yeah. I've got to eat it, but I got to get twenty five percent for vegetation. All right, let's get the vegetation in. You know, yeah, get it all in, and it's like, well, two birds with one stone. You've then thrown a ton of micronutrients and antioxidants and mm-hmm. all, all the wonderful things that, you know, vegetation, like you put it, Rods, um, does when it's complemented with the uh, the flesh and the animal meat sources. But you sort of almost did it sneaky, sneaky. Exactly. It's like, well, yeah, you get your protein <laughs> in, but, uh, you know, you've got to get it in from this and this and the dairy is, uh, you know, there's a lot of, uh, obviously, a, a, a tons of other health benefits by uh, consuming the dairy too. Yeah, and again, we're not going to, because this is the post-it note version, we're not going to talk about it, but you could easily then talk about, we are actually going to mention a vague recommendation for total, say, calcium intake. And one of the keys to getting said calcium is a good portion of your calcium comes from dairy. And strangely, another large portion of your daily calcium intake comes Mm. from green vegetables. So again, every answer 
essentially facilitates the next Great. Right. I'll, I'll also just put a little uh, note here that Broads is, uh, these are all approximate targets unless dictated by outside influence, i.e. religion or stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Very appropriate. Yes. All right, guys, anything, any final notes on protein or should we move on to fats? Mate, I would also, I would also chime in there and in, in my experience, you know, I do push protein levels up pretty high with some athletes and I'm, there'll be rhyme and reason for doing it but um, of the macronutrients if you really were I, you know I threw the athletes under the bus and saying vegetable intake is usually a challenge but often it can be just uh, to get a, a huge volume of animal uh, protein in it it's mm. You know, oh, the chicken breast is dry. It's, oh, you know, this is going on forever. So just consuming protein when it is 100% from animal meats, and that is how you achieve your protein targets, and the protein target is higher than what Broads has recommended, where, you know, that 200 grams for someone that's 100 kilos, you could do that in you know, one meal almost if you really wanted. Mm. The overall uh, ability to digest and get all the food you know, down the uh, the snout mm. um, is uh, is just an easier prospect. Yep. So it's, so far, it's got ticks in a lot of the boxes, and it's we're not even tackling, you know, having an appetite, and uh, it can be a rate limiting factor. Yeah. Often, it's easier to mm-hmm. get the carbs in than it is to get more protein or, you know, more vegetation. So correct, it, it, wonderfully simple at first glance. It's yeah, this is what we do: fifty, twenty-five, twenty-five. But then when you unpack it a little further, it you know, like I said, sneaky, sneaky, we're, we're getting them over the line. Mm. And uh, I suspect it would be a far easier way to get the calories in and um, maybe with a little more enjoyment and variety. Yeah. And, and, and again, I, I don't want to you know just sit here and like self-adulate, but agreed. It seems to be an easier mechanical diet to consume. It's more sustainable. Uh, and quite strangely, it's um, – much more um, sure. user-friendly. If you actually prepare said meals and put them on a plate and look at them, they look mm. sensible. It doesn't look like some very awkward, mm. contrived, you know, space-age diet. It looks yeah. mm. like diet. There's there's meat, there's starch, there's greens. You just – well, that's, that's literally, you know, what my grandmother told me yeah. I was supposed to eat. It just works awesome. across the board. Right, mate. Well, let's get on to the, the fats – then so we're still the example you we're working with here is still that 100 kilo male athlete for reference for the listener but um you were looking at me then that's that's fine look at me calling me a 100 kilo athlete (laughs) what are you mate 105 well i gotta have the uh spit roast next week with the um the endoscopy and colonoscopy, so I'm I'm right. shredding okay. momentarily, trying to uh, undo all the bad I've been doing for yeah. the last week. Oh, I'm squeaky clean, <laughs> so I'll be wasting away. I'll be about 80 kilos next week by the time I go in for uh, the procedure. But yes, uh, I've got the image of, <laughs> of you spit roasted now, mate. That's, yeah, oh yes, it's not uh, double ender. Both ends. Got to be careful. Be ca- At the age of uh, 35. You're halfway to a screaming eagle. <laughs> the age of 35, you got to do these things, Tom. That's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very clever. Righto, Brods, fats. Pretty straightforward. Once again, I have a range. Um, it runs between 0.5 and 1 grams per kilogram. Really, I guess that should actually be phrased the backward. 1 to 0.5 grams. 1 being kind of the frontline, let's call it off-season target, and the minimum fat intake would be 0.5 grams per kilogram. So for this 100 kilo athlete, an off-season non-calorie restricted diet would be 100 grams of fat or 900 calories. And the diet version of that would de-escalate to half that. 
Okay, and uh, considering you're eating some dairy in there and some some animal meats, you you probably find that there's some fats creeping into the the mix just with your uh, your food choices to get your protein target there. And I will also well, say exactly, and that that's the insidious beauty of this is literally I didn't even need to include the fat post-it note yeah. because if you eat the proteins as prescribed, fifty percent of your calories, you know, protein calories from yeah. Full fat, yeah. flesh sources, red fish, red meat, etc. Yeah. You Easy wind up that one. Yeah. very close. You wind up typically, yeah, actually, typically about 0.8 is my experience. But the average person, you know, puts a, a a pat of butter, a smear of mayonnaise, a drop of barbecue sauce here and there, and lo and behold, they wind up pretty goddamn close consistently without additional coaching. Mm. And about that one. And then, Rod. So when you start uh, de-escalating from one down towards 0.5. Are you changing the the protein sources to leaner leaner cuts good, of meat, question. or how are we doing that? And 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 that's exactly the case. Is we just become more selective about our protein choices, moving away from you know eighty percent lean beef to systematically the leanest we can get, and possibly in the final window abandoning yeah. you know red meats entirely and moving just to mm-hmm. poultry and white Great. fishes. Yep. I'll say there also that Brods was uh, for the for the for the benefit of the listener talking about off season. Uh, you know, he doesn't actually. You know, there's no off season on season when you're not in season, not trying to gain muscle. So thanks for uh, you know coming to the party on that one too, Brods. <laughs> I, I'm I'm tr- <laughs> I'm trying my best in my old age. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm approaching a birthday, so in my in my old age, I'm trying to be much more amicable oh, wonderfully. and uh, wonderfully well. Uh, How old, yeah, Brods? I, I really am. <laughs> 40. Oh, I, I, I wasn't sure 49. if it was 50. I knew it would be getting close. So you've got at least you've got at least nine to ten years on uh, what you were happy to bargain for when you made your decision as a 15-year-old. That is that is correct. I am uh, yeah. well into the gravy zone. <laughs> I, I, I bring I bring her up much too often, but uh, this this is the area of life where uh, my grandmother would refer to uh, getting the fat out of a duck. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. Yes, just just aging nicely. Mm. Um, well, speaking yep. with fats, and we're still on there, and you alluded to this at the the top of the interview, Brods, about getting into the weeds of your different, you know, saturated, monounsaturated, polyunsaturated yeah. fats. Yep. So, do you want to just talk about how the this top down approach gives you a nice spread and allocation of these fatty acids? I'll, I don't know where to start. I'll actually start with with the, the fine mm-hmm. print rather than a post it note. And this is, you know, for the for the listeners, if you're trying to envision what's going on here. We're, we're essentially reading off of a slideshow, and there's a photocopy of the actual handwritten post-it note. And next to it, with a little uh, asterisk, is this note or this this uh, addendum. And it says, fats mostly take care of themselves when whole foods of the widest reasonable variety are chosen. And End quote. That's it. And then moving over, the post-it note says fatty acid allocation approximately one-third saturated, one-third monounsaturated, one-third polyunsaturated. And strangely, coincidentally enough, that's essentially the recommendations by the U.S. Um, Department of Agriculture, most likely the Australian Department of Agriculture. It's almost exactly what the U.K. recommends. That's the answer for human nutrition. And lo and behold, if you follow the three post-it notes above this, that's exactly what distills out of it. Interesting, and I, and I, and I suppose you're you're also the caveat there is 
we're talking about whole foods. We're not talking about processed, refined foods, which may have more polyunsaturated or, or weird uh, fat Correct. profiles. Mm. Talking, if you if you stick with the whole food choices, you're pretty much going to be third, 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 and uh, live happily ever after without any more yeah, but- uh, effort involved trying to choose. The red meat supplies the saturated fish. The you know dairy and other sources you know, apply the poly, and the mono comes from the vegetation. It's literally that that is exactly well, the answer. As you were going through this process and breaking down uh, the your approach to nutrition in the systematic fashion, was it? Did you have a suspicion that biology would take care of all these things, or were they little awakening moments yes. as you sort of oh, come on, broken Tom. down, broke down each macro? You can't cheat biology, Tom. No, I, I quite literally would have been uh, – I, w- I would have been offended yeah. had it not been this way. Um, I, I, you know, I, I don't, certainly in, at no point in my life ever want to compare myself to Albert Einstein, but I would have had a very um, similarly indignant thought you know, when uh, relativity was finally verified. There was a specific astronomical event where they saw a specific thing called gravitational lensing. And um, they you know, really, in a, in a grand panic of joy, rang Albert Einstein and told him that his theory was officially verified. And his response was rather, at least everyone else took it as rather indignant. And he said, he said, I'm really glad you did that. I mean, you know, I'm not quoting him word for word, but he essentially said, I'm really glad you did that. He said, but I was well aware the theory was accurate. He said, if you had not verified it, I would have had pity on God. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, didn't Einstein leave a little bit of room in there for the unknown broads or that there was that there could be a higher mind? Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he, he was well aware. You know, I'm speaking for him. That's really asinine of me. But all things lean toward the idea that he was well aware that it was yeah. not the final word, but it was the most relevant yeah. up-to-date word at the time. He, he knew damn well that his mathematics were accurate. Awesome. Righto, Broads. Um, we'll go to the carbohydrates, shall yep. we? The, the the primary fuel source. Yep. So, and, and strangely, you know, the, the carbohydrates, the, the volume number, mm. we'll come to that in a second, has already yep. been answered. We've done protein and fats. We've got that 37.5 uh, Yeah, exactly. Calories. We've yep. identified total calories and we've identified protein and fats. So the reality is the, mis- the, the, the remaining calories are, in fact, carbohydrates. Excellent. And I was going to say um, – Often so you're perceived we, as the carb, as the carbohydrate guy, but you'll um, the first thing you'll say is, "I'm the guy that likes to provide fuel for training and recovery guy, not the carbohydrate guy." Exactly. I'm right. I'm the big chemically enhanced athlete guy, and they need carbohydrates <laughs> to perform work. Big engines require big Absolutely. gas tanks. It's that simple. So carbohydrates is super simple. With our hundred kilo athlete that is consuming. 800 calories of protein and 900 calories of fat. You do some very simple math and you find that there's 2000 remaining calories. You ask Siri, how many calories are in a gram of protein? You've got 2000 calories. You do some quick math and you find out you are eating 500 grams of carbohydrates. It's that simple. Wonderful. Now you have a diet of 500 grams of carbohydrates, 200 grams of protein, 100 grams excellent, of excellent. fat. Excellent, excellent. So we've uh, we've divvied that up. We've got our uh, we've got a big bucket of uh, 500 grams of carbs. I've got my various protein sources all laid out on the kitchen bench. How does it uh, 
how does it then uh, how do we then put it together do we do we layer more calories here more calories there and this is the point I guess where I was saying to Tommy the you know you sort of cater for this this internal body clock and this circadian rhythm with your uh, I guess your yep. for want of a bit of term nutrient timing Talk to us about how it all unfolds for you. Is it every? Do you break it up every two and a half hours? We get a meal, six small meals a day. What are you up to the individual athlete? Well, let, let's cover the very next post a note, yep. and then what you're asking will actually be the the remaining yeah. two post a notes. Trust juiciness. me. So if the, our next our next post a note or our next slide is literally yes. carbohydrate right. choices, and really all I did there was just identify what they are. Um, starch, fiber, and vegetables. Yes, there's fiber in vegetables, but when I say fiber, I mean insoluble or indigestible fiber. So not uh, soluble fiber. And I just quickly identify, you know, starch is the major fuel source. Sugar is, I don't go into deep detail, but I will for you for the moment, is it's a very generic term. Sugar is essentially synonym for carbohydrate in, in actual real live science. Um, when scientists say sugar, uh, they are not referring to the white, you know, powder in your, mm. you know, coffee cup. Uh, they're yeah. talking about carbohydrates. But in this case, sugar is a rider with starch and fiber. Fiber is there for appetite control, and vegetation is there for fiber and your major source of phytochemicals and coenzymes. So that's why you're eating those. Things. Any, any particular ratio, um, Moving, broads, or it's well, moving down, we move to the next post-it note, and it's the fruit and vegetable recommendation. And my recommendations seem to all come in threes. I have three green and three not. So right. three servings of green plants, and then you get three different choices of colors? Correct. Three things that are not So potatoes, green. brown rice, white so, rice, something like that? Veggies, no, we're, we're just talking about fruits carrots, and vegetables. So, you know, we're talking about three green. We're talking right, right, about, right, you know, right, 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 right. The kale, spinach, asparagus, you know, pretty straightforward bodybuilding green things. Not green things in the fruit and vegetables would be raspberries, blueberries, bananas, would be tomatoes, yeah. chili peppers, and, you know, I, I hope I don't need to teach people <laughs> colors. Three, three, three things that are Perfect. not green. Yep. Okay. Again, getting that variety. I, I know that sounds incredibly childlike and simplistic, but if you fall back on that concept of variety and today you eat, you know, a banana, a couple of apricots and, a, you know, chili pepper, and then tomorrow you choose entirely different things. If you protract that over the course of a week, a month and a year, there mm. are no gaps. There literally yeah. cannot be. Wonderful. Um, all right, so that's the fruit and the veggies. So now we'll go on to the the starches. Right. Exactly. Moving on to starch, the post-it note simply says they should be easy to eat, low volume, and low allergy or hypoallergenic. Um, that literally sums it up. That's what you're looking for in starch. Starch is the fuel. When you pull up to the gas pump, you have the choice between the regular, or at least in America you do, you have the choice between, you know, uh, generic, uh, middle and super. We want to go with the super. We, at all times, the cleanest, least problematic fuel is always going to allow the op automobile to run the best. So that's what we're choosing. Um, 
Now I could sit here and talk for hours about what that is, and it may not be the mm. same for everyone. For instance, I have no wheat allergy. So pasta very easily fits into that. It's cheap, it's easy to eat, it's low volume, and I'm not allergic to it. However, if you are, strike that from yeah. the fucking list. Insert white rice or white potatoes or whatever. So not everyone's list here will be identical, but the things, the characteristics in which you're shopping for, you like to eat it, it's easy to eat, and you're not allergic yep. to it. And then Pretty so if uh, for certain athletes, uh, I don't know, some might have an allergy to bananas or something like that, you would avoid bananas, correct? 100%. It's, a simple, it's literally <laughs> it a- as simple as that. And again, to, to, to a huge degree, these things are common sense. Once they're, you know, kind of articulated, you realize like, oh, yeah, I guess I you end up in hospital um, from eating a piece of banana bread, yep. a crumb of banana bread. Um, is that broad? Yeah, it's broad. <laughs> do not, for anyone uh, that yes. do, does come to the seminar, do not. Offer him a banana bread. Well, yeah. I think we'll have to make uh, just ban banana bread coming in because yes. if there's any sweets oh, or, or pastries it, lying around, they're just going to be consumed at a ferocity. <laughs> it it, it doesn't might even... go down the the snout without knowing it. That's right. Yes, and it happens in this sort of unconscious <laughs> mechanical <laughs> way. Is circadian of, rhythm, yeah, Tommy? And they just all disappear. Um, tell me, Broads, and um, I mean, I'm assuming this is the case. Do you do? You know, do you have gluten, uh, dairy, you know, low wheat, or do you just simply, if it causes irritation, don't eat it? That's it. It's as yeah. simple as that. It's There There literally is no magic okay. beyond that. Very right. good. Okay. Uh, fiber? Yep. Pretty, pretty straightforward. The goal for most adult humans is about 30 grams minimum per day, and about one-third of that should be soluble. And strangely, that leaves about two-thirds of that being insoluble. And strangely, if one eats the amount of green vegetables listed in the notes above, that is, again, exactly what distills out. (laughs) Bad pun in that case, but yes. (laughs) Okay, all right. So they don't necessarily have to get bogged down on, oh, is this vegetable more soluble or insoluble? Simply, you know, again, go up the the hierarchy well get your three green and three colored and lo and behold you're going to be pretty close to the third soluble and, and yep. two-thirds insoluble i love it this next note is one that i've added i was, under I was about some to say bro, this is very unlikely I'm we're, we're, we're wading into territories of what's... gut biome and oh. gut health you're very unbroads like mm. yep it, it, it is yet at the same point i have to tip my hat and really reflect on my actual roots and my actual ethics and realize that this does belong on the list. Again, being a biologist, one of the things I actually had to do in fucking school was arduously name all the goddamn lactobacillus varieties on planet Earth. And there's, I don't know how many at this point, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. Every culture on the planet Earth has cultured a yogurt culture and have their own special fucking name. And there's the reason why every culture has a culture, and it's because people need them. So this post-it note says, eat one or more fermented or cultured food daily. And the choices there would be pretty obvious. You know, pickles, yogurt, kefir, miso, kimchi, keep, keep naming things. Just have one serving of one of those things. And strangely, if you choose, say, you know, dairy yogurt, that actually applies to your earlier post-it notes for your protein. And so a lot of these things are essentially intertwined, if you will. But just every single day, get one live culture thing and you're covered. 
I don't know if they had those in America. You don't have your cult over there? The little uh, the shots of uh, whatever it is? I don't know what it is. No, no, we don't. Actually, my wife fell while we were in Australia, fell in love with that, uh, what is that, like like soda, like uh, non-alcoholic uh, yeah, yeah. beer Kombucha. stuff you have. Uh... Really? Yeah, we don't have that here. No, wow, no, not at all. Okay. Certainly not on every street corner, yeah, on every well, shelf I mean, like you guys uh, have. Like it's you know, it's, it's like reciprocated. We don't have taffies here yet. Delaware is uh, infamous for the, the yeah. The taffies. Well, you, you don't know. Tommy doesn't have it. Know what a taffy is. I don't know what a taffy is. Oh, they're delightful. <laughs> these little lollies, but bins and bins of these taffies. Apparently, the pier down at Delaware, world famous for their taffies. Is that right, Broads? Yeah. Just buckets Correct. and buckets of these lollies. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it's it's like one of the right 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 where I I took Rod to the little uh, uh, tourist area. And it's one of the oldest cool. handmade candy factories yeah, in America. Wall, these like little They're wrapped like, up in little wrappers, like little, little caramels sort of things. Like um, little redskins and uh, oh, splits okay. and those those types of things. Though like a bit smaller, but yeah, all different flavors, every conceivable flavor under the sun. It's, uh, I can't eat those. So, you know how they stick. get they get sticky in yeah. your teeth. Whenever I I had this experience where I ate one, and then um, I, I have these recurring dreams, these <laughs> night these nightmares where I'm eating redskins, yeah. and it's stuck to my teeth. And as I'm trying to open my mouth, it's ripping my teeth out from, from the gums. <laughs> so I can't eat them anymore. Childhood uh, trauma. Nice. Yeah, very good. That sounds mm. more than a bit problematic. All right, moving down the post-it notes. Um, we're getting yes. into the territory yep. which Rodden timing. and you want to speak about. Um, we're, we're at uh. meal frequency. And again, I mentioned that my, my recommendations seem to come in threes. This is no different. My meal frequency is three and three. And what that means is three meals and three snacks. And the the definition is not probably what you think. You probably are envisioning, you know, protein bars and protein shakes versus, you know, mm-hmm. chicken and rice. Or That's not actually the reality, although it could be. The reality is I've denominated them by size. What I've done is you take your total calorie intake, in this case, um, 3,700 calories, and you divide it by six. Three and three, six total meals. You get a number. And then you take that number and multiply the first three by 1.5. You get 925 calories. The remaining three get multiplied by 0.5. Collectively, still the same homogeneous number over all six meals, but we're dividing it into three larger and three smaller meals. Did you follow the math on that? Yes. Okay, so the larger ones are defined as meals and the smaller ones are defined as snacks. That's it. It's not exactly what the foods are, like snack foods. It's just size of a meal. I could have easily called it bit small and large or A and B or any other thing, but I went with meal and snack because they sound – Yeah, they, 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 they conjure – So you might – Exactly. They conjure an image that's non-offensive. So that's, that's the frequency. We're having six meals per day and we're having three of them larger and three of them smaller. That's that. You've got a point there. Um, that's arranged as dictated by the the day plan. So, you know, if someone trained mid morning, they might get up early and have one of those big meals as meal one, and then Maybe meal two, they might have another big one, and then a couple of snacks. Yeah, they might want to train on a full stomach, so they might be just a little snack an hour or two before training. Exactly. And now the part that you know, Rodden alluded that you asked about and Rodden alluded to is because I have this separation of three and three, we have the option for Mm. arranging things based on either activity or 
just general macabre, which ultimately is, in fact, activity. If you step back, and you would, I would do this as a professional biologist, looking at an animal's general behavior in the course of a day. This would actually be something that a biologist would do. They would just track the general daily behavior of an animal. It typically, you know, wakes up with the sun and it does these things. You know, it hunts, it kills, it eats, it naps, it mates. There's a pretty systematic flow to the life of a given organism. Well, people are no different. We think of ourselves rather differently, but we're not. We don't crawl out of a burrow and, you know, chase squirrels, but we come out of our domicile and go to work and we trudge along for, you know, eight or so hours. And then we do some sort of leisure activity. And then we typically go home and put our feet up and watch television. And if you track that like a biologist would on a chart of activity and energy expenditure, you find in general, there's definitely exceptions. We could talk about them, but in general, it's a situation where, Energy expenditure is highest by daylight hours and lowest by nighttime hours. And strangely, we have two different sized meals. We were in, in the absence of any special activity like workouts or whatever, the general generic answer would be put the larger meals by daylight hours and the smaller meals by nighttime hours. And now our energy intake matches our energy expenditure. Now, obviously, if you work or third shift, that's going to change things. Or if you, you know, happen to wake up first thing in the morning and train, that's going to change things more radically to that direction. Or if you, you know, train you know, for two hours and then crawl in bed, that's going to change things. But I'm talking about very, very general statement. Most people's energy expenditure is highest by day and lowest by night. So arrange meals accordingly. Then adjust for specific mm. activity. That's fascinating, Brods. And um, the, the point I was sort of uh, making with the, this uh, internal body clock and these, this, this fundamental circadian uh, sleep-wake cycle, they, um, th those uh, yep. that are in the know, and this is relatively new. I think 2017, the Nobel Peace Prize, you know, looking at fruit flies, discovered that there's uh, in, internal yep. uh, body clocks, every cell and every organ. And, but Fast forwarding to this particular um, professor I was, I was looking at uh, uh, watching on YouTube, he was talking about one of the issues with um, this uh, interrupting this sleep-wake cycle is the fact that, yes, there's all the issues with blue light and, and the body doesn't know it's nighttime because we still it's like daylight right into the night with you know us looking at laptops and phones and all that type of stuff. And I think a lot get that anyway. But the other big problem is the fact that people can feed 24-7 and there's no – it's not mm -hmm. like what would normally happen, which is what in a perfect world would be what Rods is describing where you wake up, you eat, you go about your activity and then you know your, your nutritional intake starts to ease, calories go down, and then things like Rods will – happily point out well growth hormone goes up you liberate energy into the blood you can actually survive on on low energy take through the night but that is one of the the things that also influences this uh this internal body clock and 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 stamps if you will a healthy sleep-wake cycle the fact that you yep. consume food in a certain pattern and it's one of the reasons why a lot of people have disrupted sleep-wake cycles and circadian rhythm and every disease known to mankind is influenced by this uh, circadian rhythm to some degree so it's like Absolutely. Again, Brods is sort of just designing it, but that's what I said to Tommy. I said, well, we can ask Brods about it, but he'll just say, well, just eat properly and you don't have to worry about the circadian rhythm. It's mm. just, it'll sort sort itself out. But yep. that was the point I was going to make. 
it again to to to, re to reference my grand grandmother yet once more. Uh, again, her flippant response would be, "It's baked right mm -hmm. into the cake. It's yes. in there, and it is." And I I will say this, and and I'm not becoming overly um, organic or hippie <laughs> in my old age. Paper out. Um, I I'm, I sincerely believe this, and I have believed this for decades. Um, I sincerely believe one of the big differences between very successful anything, whether it's athlete, business person, artist, anything, is mm. ritual. Mm. And ritual is just a humanistic version mm. of pattern. It is a well and set ingrained pattern that either complements biology or is sufficiently mm. non-intrusive that biology can morph around it and it becomes Absolutely. part of the whole. It's really funny, Brods, when you were talking about the the animals and observing animals. I've been thinking yep. about this a little bit myself because the the birds start in the morning. So uh, it's usually the kookaburras that I hear first, mm. maybe yep. around. That's, a, that's a unique to Australia for those uh, international yes. listeners. And it's quite a... So it's a very nice sound to wake up to off in the distance. Mm. and the other, Yeah. Lovely. So I hear Love the it. kookaburra start and then there's all the general chirping. And, and I wonder, is it the sun that sparks the kookaburra and then the kookaburra then gets yeah. the starling underway and then there's the miner over there and he goes, mm. or what forces are driving this behavior? But if you, if you watch an animal, it's like they don't actually make any conscious choices throughout their day. Dude. They just they just evolve through Correct. it. Correct. Circadian rhythm. And, as body human, and the funny, yeah. I, I don't, I don't mean to talk over you, Tommy, but the funny part is you're literally on the threshold of well and true understanding, but you're actually missing the actual, real, the real duck fat. You've got the <laughs> duck, but you don't have the fat. The reality is, the birds are responding to what the birds are responding to, and that is the reason birds exist. And that is to eat so they can make more little birds. The reality is the yeah. insects are responding to the change mm. in temperature and coming out of their night slumber. So the insects are coming to life. The birds hear it and go into their mode of communication mm. for that hunting. And then the, the, the insects are coming out because the flowers are opening up because the sun <laughs> came out and they're getting eaten and, and, and the cycle of life continues. Yeah. That's the thing is everything exactly. It's 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 literally this giant yeah. game of domino, and without the first domino tipping, everything doesn't quite work. Notice this. This is a literally a true Darwinistic thing to do. Notice what time things get started. You'll just you know you look at your watch. Well, it's six thirty a.m. and the birds are beginning to chirp and what have you. Now wait till a rainy or hazy day, and you'll find that it takes an extra mm -hmm. half an hour. Because that's the difference in the amount of time it takes for the solar radiation to heat the ground mm. to wake the bugs to mm. initiate the whole process. And and where I was going with it was kind of what you were saying about rituals, broads, and and how they drive human behavior. Because whilst we do make decisions and we have different things on different days, there are large portions of the days or days in in a row where where operating off subconscious programming or you know and we do a lot of automatic things correct and if you have the right rituals in place you can set yourself up to make better choices ahead of time and i'll chime in there and, and you actually have taken that as actually part of what you do as 
Tom Hewitt coaching. You get someone in, you sit them down, you break down, they talk about all their life, and you, okay, well, let's move this here, that there, and lo and behold, they start leaning out, they build muscle, they have a, they have more energy, and you know, they live happily ever after, and, and you're, in fact, doing the exact thing that we're talking about, just setting up routine and ritual, routine and, and uh, ritual. But being yeah. the, the one that sort of points it out. And, 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 a, and literally just the simple change in organization of things can eliminate mm. a pitfall. So you didn't actually change anything. Yeah. You just move things around in such a way that the, the tripping hazard isn't there anymore. All right. Well, that's meal frequency. Um, and that took us on some nice tangents. Um, mm. Rodinelli, we've got some stuff on supplements. And this is just Ooh. straight over-the-counter supplements. So, Oh, boring. It is. It is. <laughs> and it's, it is quite literally, Rod, exactly right. It's super boring and super basic. But again, I wanted to just include it. Um, the, the first one is something that I think people do screw up. And it strangely, once again, plays into that circadian rhythm and the organization of things. Um, very roughly speaking, when we're talking about supplements, we, in my mind, we have two things we're talking about, vitamins and minerals. I largely discount you know, nutty herbs and what have you. Um, not that they're all of zero efficacy, but I largely disregard them mainly because if I want some real actual effect, I'll just apply a drug and know that I'm going to get it rather than guess with some sort of wacky herb. So in this context, we're talking about vitamins and minerals. And the answer is dose of vitamins first thing in the morning or during the waking hours and dose minerals during the sleeping hours. And the reason for that is very simple. Most of the vitamins one eats are literally coenzymes. They cooperate in enzymatic action. Well, when does enzymatic happen? action happen? It's when you're awake and doing things. It's when you're oxidizing energy. So the more energy you're spending, the more uh, uh, vitamin intensive your life is, i.e. while you're fucking awake. And coincidentally, minerals are used in osteoplastic or bone development. And when does that take place? Yeah, it takes place during that magical window at night when your growth hormone releases and all those cool anabolic things happen. That's when one replenishes their bone stores of ions. So you eat minerals before bed and vitamins in the morning. And Beautiful. Pretty mm, that's great. And, so- and then the next few post-it notes are just some general concepts on how much of these you know magical things you should get. We can go over each yeah, one if you well. want, potassium yeah, sure. uh, or kalium as the rest of the world knows it, um, about one milligram per kilocalorie consumed. And that is – Total value, all the foods you eat, and then if there's any deficiency, one applies it with a yep. tab. And if some, is there likely to be a deficiency in potassium bronze if someone's eating that volume of greens? Well, see, and that's the thing. That's the thing. People love to uh, ask that question: is well, well, you know, how 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 will I know if I need that? And the answer is, you have to go through all the fucking steps because remember when we talked about the difference between different people's sensitivity to certain carbohydrates. Let's just say you have no problem with white potatoes and you eat a lot of white potatoes as your starch. You're absolutely not going to be potassium deficient. Now, in the same breath, let's say you are potato sensitive and you don't consume white potatoes and all of your starch comes from white rice. You might be potassium Mm. deficient. You know, moving down to those three green, three not green. Let's say like me, you love apricots and you eat apricots pretty much every day. You're not going to be potassium deficient. Let's say you fucking hate apricots and bananas and you just 
don't eat that sort of thing. You might be. So again, this is the beauty of the human species. Um, we don't have giant saw teeth. We don't have claws. We don't have fur. We don't have scales. We're this just pink, fleshy, weak creature. <laughs> Our superpower in nature is adaptability. We have the ability to find these nutrients somewhere in our environment and fucking consume <laughs> them. That's, yeah. That is our magical power. It's not thumbs. It's not big brains. It's not all the stuff that people want to believe it is. It's the ability that we are incredibly omnivorous and we can find the things we need somewhere. Yeah, interesting. It's funny that we tend to, as a species, find a lot of the wrong things. Mm. Yep. Okay, so Agreed. that's potassium. Let's go sodium. Um, quickly move. Sodium or NA, by the way, if you ever wondered what NA, why why sodium is NA, it's much like kalium. Uh, we're talking the wrong language. NA stands for natrium, which is actually what sodium is in oh. actual science. Natrium, two milligrams per kilocalorie I consumed. we are going to go naturally aspirate instead of force, uh, forced induction, turbo <laughs> or supercharged. I was, uh, sorry for yeah. the, the petrol heads in the uh, Under the Bar podcast, but fair enough. Yep. So that's sodium. Uh, what was yep. it? Two, two yep. milligrams. Two per... milligrams. Uh, moving down, calcium, 0.5 milligrams per calorie consumed. Yep. Yep. Uh, again, if you're eating those green vegetables as above the 25% dairy, chances are you do not need any additional there. But if you do, this is how one calculates it. Uh, magnesium. Yeah. Magnesium, which is. One that actually people, this is actually a place where the magnesium and the next one, which is zinc, uh, are ones that I actually find people mm. deficient in just because of the foods they choose. Um, so 0.25 milligrams per kilocalorie consumed. Uh, and I make a mention that um, the major sources of magnesium, and at least the American diet, is usually nuts and beans, two things that people tend to avoid. So that is a potential yeah. weakness in the mm. at least American diet. So just know that to get proper, you know, mineral health, one needs 0.25 milligrams per calorie consumed. Yep. Okay. Okay. And then zinc was the and other one. And zinc. Um, this is one where I probably should have an extra little disclaimer that is go back to the original start of this enhanced athletes. Zinc is a major player in the utilization of sex hormones. So if you're of a specific subset that's utilizing abnormal volumes of sex hormones, one then needs abnormal volumes of zinc. So 40 milligrams of zinc for just Joe average on a street might well and truly be too much, but it is absolutely not too much for a chemically so enhanced athlete. milligrams per what calorie of food consumed or kilo? No, 20, 20 to 40 oh, milligrams right, 20 total. 40. Yep. Right. yep, 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 yep. Most most countries around the world, your RDA or you know governmentally government approved number is down in the fifteen milligram range. So that's that's a pretty significant escalation above the standard Falcon diet. Was uh, big on the zinc. I think we were just talking about that the other week, Tommy. Mm. He was uh, he was on board with that one. Absolutely, one of the few places he and I lined up well. <laughs> Yeah, I say one of yeah, the few. It, there were there were number. Uh, he, 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 he um, quite all a bad. few things uh, that we've discussed that you 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 agreed with. Yeah. Lastly, chromium. Yeah. Uh, I suggest 100 micrograms per 100 grams 
of dietary carbohydrates. Okay. So that might be a supplemental, you might supplement there? It, it might be if you really, really exploited whole grains significantly, you may not need additional, but mo- most people So do. with that, that starting number of 500 grams? Uh, 500 with yeah, the diet. So they'd have 500 micrograms. Yeah. So you would look for about 500 chromium. micrograms okay. of chromium. Great. Yep. And once again, I'll, I'll just kind of point out, um, even in this case, I'm, I'm suggesting that you probably will need supplemental chromium. However, I just want to point out that the chromium dosing is paired with carbohydrate, yep. quote, dosing. It is not a coincidence that the place chromium exists in nature is whole grain carbohydrates. Chromium exists in the brand of grains. Yeah, Mother so, Nature dealt. You zero, see, knows what she's doing. Exactly. It, it, it's it's a, it's as if all of this stuff kind of quote naturally works mm. together. And so the speed at which uh, all, all the grains are broken down in the gut and everything's filtered off into the bloodstream and the chromium is separated. It's about the right time to Ooh, yes. help all the the simple um, sugars get uh-huh. into cells and stuff like that. Did you go, Tommy? Uh, Correct. Biologist Tommy. We've got the white got, got the hands <laughs> out. <laughs> Mate, you were like uh, Cruz in Minority Report. Then you were doing the, the big screen. That's very impressive. Yep. Very good. Well, that's great, Brods. You know, I think you could you could sit down there with pen and pad, make some notes, and come away with a very, very sensible nutrition plan. Yeah, it it's really is as simple as that. And um, if you want, I will regale you with like five or so extra minutes of material that isn't currently on this chart, but it's the final layer that, that I intend the, to add. The escalation um, up or down, increasing or decreasing body weight. Correct. This diet, as it's designed, mm. you know, we didn't mention it, or I didn't mention it when when stating this, but this is essentially a homeostasis diet. This athlete came to me with this diet journal and this physique, and this is the amount of food that it took to make this physique, and we patterned everything off of that. Admittedly, we probably knocked off all the rough edges and improved food choices and that sort of thing, but his total intake of energy was the same. Therefore, you wouldn't expect vast changes in muscle gain or fat loss because the total diet is roughly the same. So the only really missing piece in this is how would I design a diet to gain or lose weight? Mm. Go back to that original post-it note with the 25 to 45 kilocalories. We pegged this athlete at 37 kilocalories per kilogram. And we just do a little interview. We say, well, Mr. (laughs) Asshole, you weigh a hundred kilos. What would you like to weigh? And he blurts out something probably ridiculous and improbable. And you say, well, how about we dial that back and say maybe shoot for 110. Okay. So now we have a new number. So we know if we take 110, multiply it by 37, that would essentially be homeostasis for that new body weight. But we need a little energy to say, quote, grow on. So what we would do is we would lay out an anabolic package because I'm the drug enhanced guy and this is an enhanced diet plan and we say okay over the course of 16 weeks you're going to escalate from this milligramage of you know anabolics to this milligramage of anabolics and we'll expect your body weight to escalate from 100 to 110 kilos so what we'll do is move to the midpoint of that say week eight at week eight we will make their energy intake 38 kilocalories per kilogram and we will predicate it on that 110 yep. 
right. kilo, uh, kilogram finishing weight. Okay, so they will smoothly escalate from the 37 kilocalories at 100 to 38 at 110. So now we have a you know two numbers. We fill in the escalation, and then their steady state at 38 kilocalories at a target body weight target. I said. And of 110. So you just work the maths. And then the remaining eight weeks or weeks nine through 16, they're at that target calorie dose. So they essentially escalate to a peak and then they're steady state for the second half of the diet. And that's it. And that it would be done in exact reverse if the goal was to lose weight. Yeah. And I just punched the numbers in on the, uh, the calculator. I think it's about four or 500 calorie uh, increase. So decent. Yeah. Yeah, that'll do the job. Interesting, and that's probably in line with the. And, uh, and comically, I, I didn't mean to talk over you, Rodden, but um, you know, for the listeners, I'm, I'm assuming that your audience, you know, knows you, and you would give yeah, a far yeah. more, and I, I mean no disparagement, but a far more yes. complex and convoluted, <laughs> yeah. you know, song and dance. And at the end of the song and dance, we would both be finished yeah, at the same look. step. We would both be like. Yeah, and we're going to add about 500 calories a day over the course of these weeks, it's, and you're going to go. It's funny up you say that. Like, it, it, much more touchy feely with me. I would probably start with a 10% increase, and I would I would track skin folds and body weight. And truth be told, I, I might only go 10% up over a six week block, and uh, another six week block after that, I might. It still might only be 10%, and it probably is strangely about three or 400 calories up to about five or 600. Rarely do I go over 20% over. I mean, I do have athletes that just can consume stupid amounts of calories, but on average, I've got to say it's probably pretty close to what you're saying there, which is, uh, is yeah, crazy. And we often say that at the seminars, it's like, well, this is what I did, blah, 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 you know, a a half a day of presentation and, you know, within five minutes, Brods has done his post-it note nutrition. Yeah, but mm, yeah, well, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) And honestly, the difference, and and I'm completely comfortable admitting this, and I, I get more and more comfortable with this answer as I age, the difference between you and me is literally just humanity. I just, I just don't have the temperament to hold people's hand and, you know, behold their dick while they piss and lead them through all the complicated steps. I just give them the fucking answers and just look at them. And then they look at me. And sooner or later, one of us blinks and walks away. That's it. That's the conversation. Oh, that's great. And you walk, well, actually, you wouldn't walk away. You'd shuffle away. Waddle away. Yeah, with, uh, with broken feet. Yeah. You know, I, I have, I have, you know, deep reverence for people like you that you're approaching my age and still have the humor to deal with people. I, I have no well, idea. Well, it's funny that you say that, Brods, because if you ask Rawdon's clients, they'd probably say he's particularly emotionless. Oh, yes. Yeah, so oh, yes. That, that's, saying, that's saying a lot oh, about you, yeah. Brods. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you think I'm bad. Yeah, if you think Rawdon's bad, exactly. <laughs> right, oh, Brods, well, that's pretty much it uh, for today. Do you want to just – Rawdon and I just had a quick chat before we, we came to where we might just dangle a little carrot out there for the mm. listener, but you've been doing some interesting stuff on um, on the central bank of the human body, putting together some content on the liver. Oh, yeah, I didn't I didn't know that mm, filtered oh, yes. all the way through to you, Tommy. Well, what, look, what I mean, are I've your just thoughts had a, on that? I've just seen a, a, a nice-looking diagram and a few little bits and pieces, but I don't know. I know as much as the UTB listener, mate, so can you enlighten and where are we going with that one? Is this going to be um, uh, potentially new content for the uh, the members group or future uh, seminars down under? Is this uh, or simply thoughts in your head? The liver. I'm going to tackle that this week and uh, spewing all the, uh, the the thoughts and feelings. Well, on. 
the the funny the the funny answer is I'm really much poorer at business than I should be and that, that I have ever any right to be. So my decisions are almost never driven by, oh, that would be a great product and I could sell that and people would, you know, that's usually never the thought. The reality is I had a client who asked me some rather intelligent, piercing questions about liver and liver health. And I said, you know, I ought to dig up my college notes. I'm pretty sure I have a page that would essentially answer everything you just asked me and you could just have it. And so I did. And I transcribed it into, you know, a modern format. It's on like a you know, shitty piece of, you know, spiral notebook paper. And I transcribed it over to, uh, you know, a, a Word document, cleaned it up a little bit and forwarded it to him. And he did cartwheels and got really excited. And that made, momentarily got me a little excited. And so I added some more material. And essentially what has come is, you know, bullet point, liver and liver function. And it's a definition um, basic anatomy. And then the next pages, and I don't know if you've even gotten these pages yet, but um, the next pages are the fundamentals of a blood test. What panels on a blood test deal with the liver and what do they mean? What are they for? And what are the values? So I now have the liver portion of anatomy, physiology, and blood test. And I guess this means that I now need to follow it up with the cardiovascular system, the renal system, at minimum and start preparing some sort of a athletes uh you know lab health guide yeah that's where that's where my mind started going let's let's tackle the kidneys let's ca- tackle the heart mm. um start lung the function out uh yeah you know even um you could have the reproductive system there mm. we could finish it, with the skin exactly and how to deal with the skin when there's issues i mean this is uh this is awesome. exciting stuff okay yeah. So uh, and it's funny because things like this kind of just um, I, 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 I don't know if this is, sounds good or bad of me, but those are the sorts of things that are my distractions. When I get really frustrated with clients and making video content and just doing the things that I'm <laughs> supposed to be doing, I wind up, you know, oh, fuck, I'll go over here and I, I walk over to my bookshelf and then I wind up you know, pulling some random book off the shelf or some training journal of mine. And then next thing you know, I've you know, written some sort of goofy thesis or in this case, a, you know, a liver document. So <laughs> this is, these are, these, these things are my distractions, not really uh, like products. Unless of course you've, um, you've had a, a, a bit of cannabis. And then in that case, you'll be staring outside, looking at the, the trees, trying to work out what degree of angle the trees blowing at and mathematically, you know, working all that stuff out for, you know, six or seven hours. Yeah, that's not exactly my finest moments, but uh, <laughs> true. And it's funny. I, I don't. Are you are you guys still connected via I video? Can, can you no, see actually? Okay. Well, literally right here in my hand is um, three two milligram THC uh, tablets that I'm about to. I've been I've been refraining from consuming them until this conversation was over, so I didn't say anything great. absolutely absurd. But um, my uh, my my little feet are in uh, absolute duress. So I am going to swallow these and do my damnedest to sleep for two or three well, that's hours. That's exciting. Well, maybe next time you can have those just as we start the interview and we'll see where it goes <laughs> in you know 45 minutes' time. Yeah. Uh, four to five hours' time. Yeah, that's probably probably not the not going to be my finest work. It's funny. I, uh, Tommy, mm-hmm. people like you 
I envy to <laughs> a certain go. degree. I can't, I can't um, even understand how someone could actually enjoy being high. I, I literally lack the, like, as it happens to me, I sit here and I just think like, what part of this would, where am I supposed to find the enjoyment? And I just get frustrated that the fact that my mind doesn't work the way I expected and want it to work just starts making me more and more angry and frustrated. <laughs> like the, yeah, uh, look, I mean, it, it's, it's like any drug, you know, different people respond differently to different drugs. It's one of those things. Yeah. Why well, did, I, I don't want to, we could, we could, I guess we could cut this off if you, if you want, or you could even leave it out. Shit, people know this, but I did tell you the story about the one and only experience I had with hallucinogens. Yeah, yeah, you cooked up, um, cooked up a peyote cactus, didn't you? Peyote. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that was my one and only experience with well and true uh, hallucinogens, and it, it did not go as well as as, as well as the. Whole no, one but I, I think you, I think there's part of you, Brods, that saw enough, that saw something living in hope that, in that you you're suppressing. But there's there's magic in the universe, Brods. <laughs> all right we'll end it there absolutely guys thanks for having me uh i i miss you guys and i miss australia i can't wait to uh yeah, we'll get yeah, back we'll down there thanks thanks bro thanks broads absolutely well there he was broderick chavez i love it mate so good and surprising for broads like even with the fruits and vegetable intake i found mm. that fascinating rawdon three greens Three not. Mm-hmm. That makes so much sense. Basic. Um, you know, his his uh, common sense approach of assigning carbohydrates, uh-huh. choosing a starch that is good for you, that's easy to eat, that's low volume, low allergy. Yes. I think that's a really important point. Yeah. And I think he's much more uh, reactive. If something doesn't, mm, take it out. Rather yeah. than me blanket, well, avoid that, avoid this. It could cause irritation. He's like, no, good food choices. But yep. then if they cause a little something, something, if it... An al, uh, some sort of allergic reaction or discomfort from it, just uh, take it out, change your vegetable choice. So, And look, he even went into the uh, fermented and cultured foods. Yeah, I mean, this is a very unbroads like. Mm. Uh, mm. Is he selling out? I don't know. Yeah. A bit of Yakult in there, perhaps. <laughs> he loves the Yakult, it's his secret uh, evil genius supplement. Speaking of supplements, I think that uh, rule, that general rule of thumb that he brought up there, minerals uh, in the evening, vitamins in the morning. Um, you know, the vitamins, as you said, are in, involved in coenzymes and mm. activities, energy so the energy production. Stuff, yeah. So that makes sense there, where the minerals are there to replenish mm. what has been um, oh. broken down during the day. Oh. You know, it's you just, can tell he's a biologist. I mean, he, yeah, he is. He really is a biologist. He thinks like At a biologist. every opportunity, be he always defaults back to the old biologist. Yeah, he's so much of a biologist that, that I'm comfortable in saying that I'm a biologist. Well, pretty much, yeah. Because I've spent You're time talking with him. I'm a professor, professor of biology. 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 <laughs> Dr. Dr. THC. Yeah. Dr. THC. Uh, hilarious stuff. Absolutely. Well, mate, I mean, that's pretty much it for us. Yep. Shall we? Um, look, for Broads, you can go to his website, Evil yes. Genius. Uh, just Google that and uh, go on there. Sign get in, up to get his into his membership site. Yeah, yeah. What's well, it? Two cents a year or something. Get into it. Such good value. Mm. And um, mate, we better head down to the lab and uh, see what we can <laughs> see. Yeah, absolutely. Come on down, Tom. Yeah, let's feel. Let's watch there. Watch your step there. A little shaky on the steps. Oh yeah, just hold the railing. Yeah. Okay. That's good. It's like Let a me just uh, flick the light on the here. VMO a little bit. We go. And we're in. Okay, mate. So, uh, what are you working on? Well, 
as you can uh, see, uh, we don't have too much time here to uh, to run through stuff, Tommy, mm, but mm, mm, mm. I've got this uh, lovely uh, beaker of smart strength technology. Ooh. Uh, I pinched it from the prime strength, and I'm going to adjust the strength curve here. Oh, yes. A little bit there, oh. and then put them all together, Tommy, and uh, <laughs> that should do the trick. Come and have a look over here, Tommy. That'll be lengthy. Uh, yeah. That was lengthy.